0: This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity. With Dan Munro. Alrighty, welcome back to Brojo Online. Today we're going to be looking at an issue that's come up a lot in my conversations lately. In a word, we're going to be talking about bullying, but it goes so much deeper than that. We're talking about the people that seem to generally get a harsher treatment from others. They're more likely to get disrespected and treated like shit than other people are, and it's consistent and persistent. You know this is this is for the people that even when you move to another city or you change your job or you get out of an abusive relationship, you always wind up back in a position where people respect you less. It can be very simple and subtle, maybe it's just nobody listens to you at the team meetings or your partner always kind of uh, is critical and and hard with you. All the way through to the much more traumatic end of the spectrum. If you are severely bullied in school and, you know, had had horrific things done to you or you get treated like shit at the workplace and even things like promotions and stuff are denied to you and people team up against you and so on and so on. You know, I've worked with a range of clients who suffer different forms of bullying, either now or in their past, and there's been some really bizarre cases. You know, I I, I coached one guy, he he went to a concert once, and he was just in the crowd, listening to the concert, and then suddenly the whole crowd turned on him, and just kind of basically uh, bullied him out of the venue. It's such a bizarre thing to see. And I've seen many things in my life of people just randomly picking on what appears to be complete strangers. And I look at this and I just go, what is happening here? How is it that some people just seem doomed to become a target for the wankers on the planet? The thing is, this is not a mystery. This is actually incredibly specific paradigm that we're seeing here. What we're seeing with bullies and their victims is a relationship, a dynamic that can be explained and understood and changed. We spend so much time, those of us in the field of psychology, trying to understand the bullies and the assholes on the planet. We've got a plethora of research and studies done on psychopaths and violent criminals and general fucktards around the planet. And yet, this is all done under the kind of very incorrect assumption that they're victims are almost irrelevant in this study. That their victims could be anyone. And that's simply not true. There are some people out there who will never be bullied. And there are some people out there who might occasionally get a bit of shit, but they'll never be targeted, and it will never be a sustained attack. And then there are others that, no matter what they do, they seem to just bring it on themselves. God, I remember I did Camp America... Where I was a camp counselor, like a foreign exchange kind of thing, and there was this one kid in the bunk that I was managing. A uh, little ratty kid, I can't remember his name, and like he just couldn't help. Every word that came out of his out of his mouth just made the other boys want to punch him in the face. There was nothing particularly upsetting about this little boy. It just he invited torture from the other guys. And the other guys themselves, when they weren't torturing this kid, they were generally pretty decent little kids. It's just he seemed to bring out the worst in them. And it it was a total mystery to me. I'm like, how is it that this dynamic keeps playing out? No matter what I do with these kids, they just can't help but picking on, you know, can't help but pick on this one kid. You know, situations like that, especially once I got into the criminal corrections work, I started to see... You know, what is happening here? What is this thing that I see where some people just get targeted by society for terrible treatment while others just cruise by? So I wanted to talk about that today and I wanted to, you know, this this podcast is specifically for the ones who feel targeted and for the friends of those who are often targeted and you feel for them and you just can't seem to figure out how to help them. I want to look at the supply and demand relationship of bullying. Bullying is the supply. Predestined victims is the demand. I'm going to be starting from a a theoretical standpoint here, is that somebody is a victim before they get bullied. The bullying was inevitable. They were set up to receive it, encourage it, and provoke it. And that's what I want to look at today because if you're someone who feels that they've been bullied a lot and targeted and things like that, you're more powerful than you can believe in this situation. You're not hard done by. This isn't bad luck. This is something about your psychology that can be changed. You can go from someone who invites poor behavior and disrespect from others to someone who will never have it happen to them again. And I want to talk about how that change is enabled today. But before we go into that, you need to open your mind to an idea that you are not randomly selected when it comes to bullying. You're not just an unlucky person, and that the thing you think you're bullied for is not the thing you're being bullied for. It's merely the vehicle to deliver the bullying. You know, For example, if I was uh, physically disabled, it's not my physical disability that encourages the bullying. That's just what they'll target because it's my weak point. But there are many people out there who have the same physical disability and they are not bullied. And that's the key thing we're going to be looking at today is what's the difference between those two people? One who is bullied for having something about them and the other one who's left alone. Why are they treated differently? So there's all sorts of reasons that you might think you've been bullied. Race, gender, the size or shape of your body... Uh, your habits, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, maybe you're on the Asperger's spectrum, maybe you've got a club foot, Uh, maybe you don't speak the language clearly enough. There's going to be all these reasons you have in your head as to why you're bullied, and I want you to just open your mind to the idea that all of those are an illusion. While the bullies might target that particular thing about you, that's not really why they're bullying you. It's just the weapon of choice. It's the thing that they can get you with. And why it's the thing they can get you with is the real reason for the bullying. Your shame about the thing that they bully you for is the real reason that the bullying even begins in the first place. Now, this is not victim blaming. I'm not saying if you're getting bullied, it's your fault. What I'm saying is there's a dynamic that we have to be honest about here. There are some people, because of the way they are, they are more likely to be prey to the predators. But they don't have to remain prey animals. They can become strong. Let's start by looking at what is bullying. There's a difference between somebody who takes all teasing and stuff personally. And that's what I mean by predestined victim. There's a kind of person who's hurt by anything even when it's not done with cruel intentions. You know, If you get hurt feelings when people at the office are all teasing each other and it's your turn, that might not be bullying. That might just be you having a thin skin. Bullying is something different. Bullying is targeted psychopathic torture. I uh, I once read a book about bullying, and and one of the bullies was describing he was a psychopath for sure. And he used to just torture kids at his school, just make their lives miserable. The kind of guy who would cause suicides, you know. And he described his bullying as a form of love. From a psychopath point of view, there's no understanding of of emotional love, but there is this kind of idea of of obsessive attention. If I make you obsessed with me, where most of your thoughts and feelings and attention is somehow directed toward me, it's kind of like love, isn't it? It's like you're in love with me. You've got all the characteristics of love from a psychopathic point of view. You're obsessed, you're thinking about me all the time, most of your emotions are directly a cause of my behavior and so on. And that's what bullying is, it's a really fucked up, weird, manipulative form of love. You know, it's quite often that a bully in his older age can turn to sexual offending where he'll actually sexually assault the kinds of people he used to bully in in high school. And this isn't random. This is because, essentially, this is a sexual, sexually motivated behavior he's doing. Bullying is very sexual in nature. Not necessarily as in sex, but as in a relationship. Bullying between a bully and a targeted victim is a very intense relationship. You'll know it if you're a victim of bullying. You'll know there was that one kid in school who you did everything in your power to either please or avoid. Because he just wouldn't let off. He had endless stamina in torturing you. There may have been a few of them, even a group. But there's a difference between somebody who just cops a bit of flack from a dickhead. We all get that. Everybody gets a bit of shit at some point. That's different from being a targeted victim. Somebody where, no matter where they go, they end up finding this person who just fucking destroys them. Or at least... They bring out the very worst in others, even if there isn't a bully in the area. People will be generally quite disrespectful and intolerant of the person. One of the things you've got to understand, bullies are not looking for difficult targets. They do not pick people at random. I've worked with many criminal psychopathic offenders, many of whom are violent, and they're essentially what you might call professional bullies. They're like gang leaders, uh, hitmen, just full-time assholes, basically. They do not select their targets at random. Their victims are not randomly chosen at all. They're quickly chosen by instinct, but it's not random. You know, a violent offender doesn't just walk up to anyone in the street and start a fight. He doesn't even walk up to someone who's necessarily smaller or weaker physically than him. There's something else he's looking for. It's very specific, and it's what we're going to be talking about today. But you've got to understand that when you provoke, or seem to provoke, the worst in other people... It's that you're an easy target and you may not yet be aware as to exactly why you're an easy target. You might think it is something like the color of your skin or the sound of your voice or your fat belly or whatever it is that you think provokes this bad behavior from other people. But it's not that. It's that you're an easy target because of how you feel about that thing that they bully. One of the things I want to plant in your mind, we'll look at it a bit later in this conversation, is whatever it is you think you're bullied for or targeted for, you can effortlessly think of an example of someone who's just like you but doesn't get bullied. If you're an introvert, you'll be able to easily find other introverts who don't get bullied. You know, if you're in a wheelchair, you'll be able to find plenty of confident wheelchair people who get lots of respect. No matter what it is you think you're bullied for, you'll be able to find exceptions where somebody else has got that exact same thing, but they don't get the kind of treatment that you get for it. And this is something you're already aware of, and this is what's so devastating, is you'll think, not only have I got this thing that's wrong with me, but I'm the only one who gets picked on for it. Everybody else gets let off the hook. It's kind of like, I have been unfairly selected. Where you're half Right. In a sense that you have been selected, but it's not necessarily an unfair selection. It's quite a rational one. Which is why I've called this podcast Blood in the Water. We're going to talk about how it is that you attract bullying. Not that you're to blame for it. Those asshole fuckwads doing what they do are totally responsible for their behavior. You don't make them into bad people. They were bad before they met you. That's not your fault. The way they treat you is not your fault, that's that's their shit that they have to deal with. But the fact that they choose you is something that you are ultimately responsible for dealing with. The way you are makes you more likely to be chosen, and the way you are is under your control. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. I don't want people to think bullying is solved by getting rid of the bullies. It's not. There is an endless supply of bullies, there's new ones being born any minute. right? 1-3% 1-3% to 3% of the population is generally considered to be highly psychopathic, and that hasn't changed in dozens of millennia. We've always had psychopaths. There's signs of murders and the earliest uh, cave people skeletons. Their bully is always going to be there. What we can do is reduce the demand. Take the people who are predestined to be bullied, who are already being bullied, and change them in a fundamental way that is actually more authentic to them, and less tempting to bullies. The same principles that bullies use to find their targets apply to just any criminals, any cruel, nasty bosses at work, or just douchebags at the gym or whatever. Even mob mentality, the people who join in behind the bully and make it ten times worse, they can't all be psychopaths, right? You think of the lynchings and the witch burnings that have happened in, in human history. The times where, like, mobs have just teamed up on someone very unfairly and killed them. There's no way they're all psychopathic. Maybe the leader of the group was, or a couple of people in the group were. But the rest were just followers. Now, there's sometimes there's times where people are targeted and it's got nothing to do with their confidence or anything like that. That will always happen too. But if you're someone who, no matter where you go and what you do, you get targeted, that's who I'm talking to today. You know, there are some... Places where just because you're a woman you'll get targeted doesn't matter how confident you are. Or because you're black or because you're disabled or whatever. But for the most part, if you then were to move to another more tolerant place and still get bullied, then that's about you and that's what needs to change. I want to tell you a story. Um, I've told this story before. It's really relevant to this conversation. I was at a bus slash train station thing in the UK... And I was just waiting for a bus to come and collect me and my girlfriend. And I'd been on, the bus I'd just been on had these two guys, they were kind of loud, covered in tattoos, kind of attention seeking, and a bit rough drinking. But, you know, I just ignored them, they weren't causing me any problems. Just a little bit annoying. Anyway, we get off the bus, and one of those guys comes off the bus and just randomly starts abusing the shit out of this total stranger. There's this Dude just sitting there. He was quite an overweight dude, very like nice guy looking, sort of button up shirt, lives with his mum looking sort of dude. And he was just sitting there quietly by himself. He had done nothing observable to provoke anybody for anything. He'd just been sitting there. He had literally not said a word to anyone. And there was a group of like twenty people. There's nothing that really distinguished him. But this drunken lout guy got off the bus and just started abusing the shit out of him for being overweight. And it was just... it was I was watching it and for like 20 seconds I was in shock. My brain couldn't comprehend what was happening. I'd never seen this level of bullying outside of high school before. These were grown-ass men. They were both in their 30s at least. I was just watching this like, wait, is this like a skit or something? Is this really happening? It took me so long to actually comprehend what was happening that I couldn't intervene until... I kind of digested it, and then I finally st- stepped in. Long story short, I went and stood up to the guy who was being a bully, and he backed down. Now, don't don't take that as bragging just yet. I'm going to explain why that went the way it did. But later on, especially for the sake of a, of a conversation like what we're having right now, I looked at the situation, and I thought, on the paper, that looks random. It looks like this random dickhead just started picking on a dude like just bizarre coincidence. But it wasn't. Now that the bully was looking to pick on someone, sure. He probably got off the bus, he's probably constantly wired to start shit. He looked like a shit starting kind of guy. He was so loud on the bus like he was trying to provoke someone to complain so that he'd have he I know I'm not being too judgmental here because I worked for like seven plus years with guys like this. I know what a shit stirrer looks like and acts like. And this guy was definitely in that category. Then he found someone, and the thing is, this guy sitting down didn't even provoke a reaction. He just went for it. And when I revisited it in my mind, the video replay in my head, I saw some key things there about the victim. The way he was sitting, the way he responded to the initial assault. It was pure victim passivity. This guy was so clearly going to take whatever abuse he was going to be given and not do a thing about it. What's even worse is a random older lady next to him started standing up for him, which just highlighted how much he wasn't standing up for himself. It's like watching someone lie down and just take a kicking. It was so obvious that somehow this bullying guy had smelt this dude out. He knew this guy was going to be easy pickings. There was 20 other people sat around. He could have picked on any of them for anything. There was, you know, there was uh, Muslims with hijabs on or whatever they're called, you know, this is the kind of guy who would love to go for that sort of shit, uh, you know, there was woman and elderly, and there was all sorts of people who he could have had a go at for some prejudice reason, but no, he picked this fat guy, who wasn't even the only fat guy in the place, but he picked the fat guy because he could smell it on him, and what's interesting is when I went and confronted him, he backed down. Now, I am not necessarily physically intimidating, and this guy even had a friend with him, and they were both drinking, and they were both pretty tough-looking guys. I do not have any illusions that he was intimidated by me. He wasn't. If he had wanted to beat me up, if he couldn't have done it, at least him and his friend combined would have been able to do it quite happily. I was not really a threat to this guy. And yet, when I went up to him and said, dude, what you're doing in there is just so uncool. What was that about? He just sort of totally back as, oh you know everybody's got their opinions, oh you know it's over now. And he got on the bus and he disappeared. And at no point in time did I have any illusions about me being a tough guy in that situation. That is not what happened here. But what happened was my presence turned off that killer instinct in him. There was something about me that deactivated the bullying in him. And he just went back to being just a basic dickhead. You know, without that torture psycho aspect to him anymore the way i read that situation is i used to be the guy sitting down who got the shit i never really got that bad bullying uh when i was younger because i was always part of a big group of friends and i was kind of predicted in numbers but i know if i'd been a loner i would have been as inviting of that kind of behavior as any any other victim but i've changed since then or should i say i've discovered things strengths in myself since then And now when I talk to violent, criminal, abusive, bullying type people, they really de-escalate in my presence. They just chill. They don't fight me. They don't uh, get aggressive towards me and take it out on me. They just relax in my presence, even when I'm confronting them. And it's not even necessarily a respect for me. I mean, they don't know me well enough to respect me and I'm not physically respectable sort of thing. It's just there's something about my psychology that they pick up on and it flicks the off switch. And I could see this in, you know the kind of people who can always just de-escalate a fight. and No matter how aggressive a situation is, they just come in and just rationalize it and it just chills. There's something about that person. And that something can be learned. That's what I'm building up to here today. The reason I called this blood in the water is because that chubby guy at the bus stop, he had blood in the water. That attracts the sharks. You know, a lion will leave you alone unless you run away from it. And then it can't help but chase you and kill you. Even when it's not hungry. A rabbit would be fine uh, around most dogs if it wasn't afraid of the dogs and running away from them. Then the dog has to chase it. You notice how cats can dominate dogs even though they're the same size and speed as a rabbit? Because a cat will fight against a dog. Cat's not um, pussying out when it comes to dogs. There's something about the cat that makes the dog actually quite timid. The whole cartoonish idea of dogs eating cats is bullshit. Most of the time, cats absolutely dominate dogs. It's very rare to see it the other way around. But this idea of predator versus prey, there's something that has to trigger the predator into hunting. It's something that they see and smell and feel. It's very indistinguishable. It's very subtle. We don't know exactly what it is that they see and smell, but there's something definitely there. There were 20-plus other people at their bus stop, but only one guy set off this bully. There was nothing obvious about this guy that set him off, but there must have been something. He wasn't even the easiest guy to access. He had to walk through the other 20 to get to this guy at the end. There was 19 other options available to him, much closer to the bus stop, much more logistically viable. But he went for this guy, and I promise you, It was nothing to do with the guy being overweight. There was something about his body language. The way he sat just set off a flare inside the bully psychopath's mind. He was like a lion. He was unable to not chase. He didn't have the discipline, control or self-awareness to not bully that guy. It was predestined those two were to meet, bullying was going to happen. and this is why I'm speaking to those of you who get targeted often. You're predestined to be bullied once the bully sees you. You're not being picked on and targeted, it's being set up in a way. Blood is in the water, it's only a matter of time before a shark smells it. This applies to someone who's often in abusive relationships. It's not that you turn every partner into an abuser, it's that you attract the abusers and you're attracted to them. Which is another story entirely. The blood is in the water. The bullies are the lions and the sharks. And, and the people who follow the bullies, the ones who gang up on you with the bully, they're not really bullies, they just don't want to be eaten. They'd prefer to eat than be eaten. They'd prefer to hunt than be hunted. So they join in in the hope that the bully will never turn on them. They're often disappointed. I first really became aware of this whole concept when I worked in the Department of Corrections, and again, another story I've told many times, it's totally relevant here. The first time I went to a prison visit, like a tour of the prisons, when I walked through I got so much shit shouted at me and yelled at at me from the prisoners. I couldn't believe it, it was a cacophony, it was so loud, I had all the mongrel mole guys barking at me. Which is a fucking terrifying experience. You know, you'd think... It sounds funny to think of grown men barking like dogs. But when they're all six foot four and they sound like Rottweilers. And they're covered in tattoos and they're looking you right in the eyes. It is fucking scary. It's really an effective intimidation technique. Barking is fucking terrifying. They were threatening me with rape and murder. And yet, even in that experience, I was there with a much more experienced probation officer. A woman... An overweight woman, too. Somebody who I would have judged as being more likely to attract negative attention from prisoners than me, to be fair. And yet, not only did they barely say anything to her, when one guy did say something to her, she was so quick with a comeback that the rest of the prisoners laughed at him. She said, what did he say? He said something like, oh, I can smell your pussy from here. And she said, you know what I'm going to have when I go home? KFC. And all the guys just gave him heaps of shit for that. And I just remember going, like, I felt quite bad about myself after that visit. I'm like, what am I, just such a pussy that they only pick on me? Is it because I'm new? Did they somehow know I was new? How did they know I was new? Nobody told them anything. The answer didn't come to me until about five years later, when I was walking that exact same walk in the exact same prison, and there wasn't a sound. The same guys were there, probably, or at least guys just like them. The mongrel mob hadn't gotten any smaller. And yet nobody shouted, nobody gave me shit. Nothing had changed about prison culture or the dynamics. Prison cultures change very slowly. I very much doubt in five years' time that somehow the prisoners had trained, been trained to be nice to people. They had no reason to be, and yet they left me alone. The only different thing in that situation was me. I had changed. The bullies were still there, it's just I wasn't on their radar anymore. I didn't set them off. I got to the point where I could walk into a prisoner's cell and he'd greet me like a friend. Rather than staring me down so hard as I walked towards him that I'd be too scared to enter. Something had changed in me and I, I remember that moment very clearly. I was walking through a prison like sort of a, feeling a bit on guard, ready for some shit and just nothing happened. It's almost like a you know when you've got too much momentum and you stumble forward. I was just like, what? Why aren't they shouting? Why aren't they abusing me? I had changed. And that's when I started to reverse engineer the change. I look back and say, how am I different now? How is it that I don't set them off? Because it wasn't just in the prisons. I used to, like, when I walked around West Auckland where I grew up, as a teenager, I always had to be ready to run, because every now and then some guy just shouted at me out of nowhere and challenged me to a fight. It was a fairly, it was a rough-ish neighbourhood. It got worse after I left. But, uh, you know, if I got to a party and there was a fight, it was always me they got punched in the face out of nowhere even if i wasn't involved in the original you know fracas, and yet you know after four or five years of corrections i could walk walk through the worst neighborhoods i could walk right through a group of real tough looking drunk guys and they wouldn't say anything i'd be scared still or at least nervous and apprehensive but i wouldn't get any shit the same situation in my past, I would have definitely got shit. In fact, I would have avoided it because it was so sure that I was going to get some shit. And when I first started Corrections, I remember there was this one boss who I wanted to be in his team. It was like the high-performing team. And he laughed at me about my request, and he judged me as being like this metalhead, slack-ass, whatever. Five years later, I was his key guy. I was his right-hand man. How did that change? He was a naturally... Do- he actually used to run a prison, surprisingly enough. And he was somebody who... He wasn't a bully as such, but he wasn't uh, shy to give people shit about their weaknesses. Uh, he was very like uh, extroverted and outspoken and very unpolitical. And so when, he fir- when I first met him, there's something I triggered. He just didn't like me right off the bat. Even though I hadn't said a word yet, he had already prejudged me in all these negative ways. You could see the mindset of a potential bully going... He would already decided I was weak in so many ways. He was just not a bully. He wasn't going to give me too much shit about it. But he certainly wasn't going to support me. Five years later, I'm his guy. How did that change? I've also noticed a few other things. Like, I have a friend... Well, he's more of an associate. I haven't seen him in years. But he's in a wheelchair. He was in a motorcycle accident. Ah, I broke his back and he's been in a wheelchair. Now, when you think of bullying victims... People with physical disabilities come immediately to mind, don't they? You kind of prejudge them as being more likely to be bullied. Which I do believe is true, but I don't believe it's because of their disabilities. Now, he's in a wheelchair. He's as much in a wheelchair as any other paraplegic. But nobody ever gives him shit. And he shines socially. He's very dominant. He takes over a room. You know, I'd say he walks into a room, but he rolls into a room and takes it over. You can't even... It's not even possible to make fun of his disability because he's the first one to joke about it. You know, when he starts drinking, he's like, oh, fuck, I'm legless. You know, he, he makes these... He's so unashamed of being in a wheelchair. In fact, he, he kind of uses it to his advantage. You know, I remember I used to go to bars with this guy. He'd be talking to a girl and I'd catch a bit of the conversation and be something like, what, you're not going to kiss me? Come on, I'm in a wheelchair. Have a heart. You know, he, he just... He was totally cool with it in his own way. Affected by it, sure. You know, but he kept on riding motorbikes and everything. And he just never got bullied. Never did. And yet there's other people. I remember this girl at my university who was in one of those electric wheelchairs. And she was just so miserable all the time. And she was in a university where people are generally really tolerant and accepting. But she still got excluded. And people, like... Did the university style of bullying, which is just ignoring someone and avoiding them and not inviting them to stuff. What's the difference between those two people? Confidence. Shame. One of the big changes that happened for me was getting into martial arts. And I really want to emphasize this is not because it made me good at fighting. I don't even know if I'm good at fighting. I know I've had a lot of training, but maybe I'm still useless. I don't know. I haven't been in a fight since I started doing martial arts. Like having to do lots of confrontations and corrections, martial arts strengthened me in a way that's beyond physical. It's not that I'm good at fighting. The difference is that I'm now willing to fight. Not just willing to fight, but I'm willing to lose a fight to protect myself, protect my loved ones. That's what's really changed. My fighting ability is is not obvious when you look at me. And I don't even know if it's good or not. But I know that I used to get in a lot of fights, or I should I say, I used to be the victim of a lot of violence. Not often, but there's been a few times where I've definitely had my ass kicked. And yet, from the day I started doing Wing Chun Kung Fu and Mu Thai kickboxing and now Krav Maga, I haven't been in a fight. I'm almost disappointed. And if anything, I've been in much riskier situations around much more dangerous people since then. I mean, this is just as I got started in Department of Corrections. I got surrounded by criminals for the next seven years. And these days, I don't shy away from situations with rough people. And yet I haven't been in a fight since. In fact, I've been into like nightclubs where people are beating the shit out of each other, got in between them and separated them, and no one's even punched me. I'm not a tough guy. I really want to emphasize that. This is nothing physical. I assure you, it is entirely mental. Now, one of the key differences here is the difference between assertiveness and defensiveness. Quite often, bullying victims are either very passive, like they just sit there and take it, like my poor friend at the bus stop that I mentioned earlier. But others are actually do fight back, and it doesn't, just doesn't seem to work, or it just seems to provoke even further ridicule and torture. And you think, well, even fighting back doesn't work. But there are different ways to fight back. Assertiveness is one way and defensiveness is another. And these are the mental concepts behind the fight. When somebody defends themselves, when they are defensive, it's coming from a place of shame. It's saying, I don't want you to know what's wrong with me. I don't want you to point out what's wrong with me and poke it and provoke me about it. It comes from the idea, there is something wrong with me. I just don't want it brought up. Assertiveness... More comes from the place of, you can think whatever you want about me, but get the fuck out of my face. There's nothing wrong with me, you're allowed to believe that there's something wrong with me if you want. I'm not going to defend what you believe, you can have whatever opinion about me you like. You can think of me as weak and things and this and that and the other, different, whatever. But I'm not going to tolerate your shit. You go ahead and think whatever you want, but as soon as you cross the line I'm stepping up. The and defensiveness can look the same on the surface with behaviour... You know, defensiveness, you might shout at someone who's bullying you. But that's not assertiveness, that's the lashing out, that's the cry of a prey animal trying to scare off the predator. Rather than the roar of a lion who is also a predator. You know, assertiveness is saying, hey, I'm not worth this. Trust me. If you're going to give me shit, it's going to be hell for you. Whereas a prey animal says, I'm going to give you a nice big juicy reaction. You're going to get a lot out of me you push my buttons and turn my screws, I'm going to put on a show for you. Whereas the assertive guy is more saying, you know, if you give me shit, it's going to be a big hassle for you. This is not going to be easy for you. It's not going to be fun. Your inner self-view determines whether or not there's blood in the water. If you're ashamed of yourself, we all have shame, but there's a level of shame that I'm getting to here. If you're ashamed of yourself to a certain level, the predators can smell it. You notice how quickly bullies find your weak spot? Do you ever question how they do that? How is it that within five minutes of them giving you shit, they've found that thing that you really, really feel bad about? How did they get there so quickly? I mean, yeah, let's say it's something you think is physically obvious, like you're overweight. But how'd they know you being overweight was your hot topic button? How come they're giving you shit about it, and then they themselves might in fact be overweight? I've seen fat guys bullying other fat guys about being fat how does that make sense unless it's not really about the weight they just know that the weight is the gateway into your shame that's how they that's the hole that they stick the needle through to poke you right in the heart you know i've got to emphasize here what i'm getting at how you view yourself the shame you have about who you are is the scent you put off it is the the, the the flight that triggers the lion into chasing you, it's the blood in the water that attracts the sharks. That is the thing you actually have some control over, or should I say you can work on. You can't stop bullies being bullies, but you can stop yourself being prey. We'll try and cover some of the how-to, and, and at this point I've got to say this is partly what Brojo University is all about. We've got courses on how to remove that shame. Slowly but surely over time. Being introverted has nothing to do with it. Having physical or mental disabilities has nothing to do with it. Race, size, gender, ethnicity, your accent, your height, your sexual history. None of that is why you're being bullied. And if you think any of it is, look for an exception. Look for someone else who's got the same thing as you and they don't get bullied. You'll find one real quick. For every fat guy who gets bullied, there's a fat guy whose center of attention and everyone loves him. For every uh, Asperger's geek that gets bullied, there's a Bill Gates who's dominating the world. The reason you get bullied is not really why you get bullied. It's just the weapon. It's what they know they can use against you because you're ashamed of it. Those other people have the same thing as you aren't getting bullied. The difference is how they view that thing. If you're Asperger's. And you get bullied for being a bit socially awkward. And there's another Asperger's guy who doesn't. It's because he's okay with being Asperger's. Okay? He's okay with being socially awkward. That's the difference. You're not okay with it. And the bullies know it. They can smell it. They can sense it. Being introverted won't make you get bullied. Being ashamed of being introverted will. Being overweight or in a wheelchair or a different skin color to everyone else won't get you bullied. Thinking that those things are wrong with you will get you bullied, or at least attract it for when it's around. Psychopaths are adept at smelling shame, and they react on instincts. They might not even really, uh, what you might say, want to bully you. It's not a desire, a conscious thought process. It's just a reaction, like a lion chasing something that runs. Psychopaths in particular, they, they are mostly based on instinct. They don't even really have emotions. They aren't feeling a certain way about you. They're just—it's just programming. It's like binary code. They see a one, they go zero, or whatever the fuck. You know, they—they're they're just reacting to you. And if you don't have something they can react to, they won't react. There are some people who are generally dicks to everyone, but they target their worst of their behaviour on the ones who react just the right way, on the ones who give them something in return that they've been looking for attention, reactions, defensiveness, all the stuff that turns them on. You know, a bully can smell you being defensive before you even know you're going to be. They can see it in you. They Notice how they draw it out with prodding and provocation. They'll say little things, little uh, barbed comments. They'll do little things. They'll just see what you react to. They don't have to do many tests before they nail it. Once they get that initial defensive reaction or passive reaction that shows a shame... Then they'll turn the screw. Your body language, your voice tone, the way you react to their little tests, minor facial expressions, like maybe your chin is kept slightly down, a defensive position, or your eye contact, that's a big one. If you look away from someone when they look you in the eye, that's basically saying, please bully me. There's these little reactions that you do that are microscopic to everyone else. Most people don't even see it. Non-bullying people won't pick up on it. They might think you're a bit shy, perhaps, or that you're a bit awkward, or um, that you're a bit hesitant. But a bully sees this rich, meaningful picture in you that a psychopath sees something else. It's like you're glowing red while everybody else is a grey colour. Those little micro-expressions are huge to them. You can understand, it's not about being afraid either. I'm still afraid in the presence of dangerous people. You know, just the other day I was walking to... The supermarket, and I walked through a grunt. There's a bunch of drunk guys that always hang out the uh, front of the supermarket. It's quite intimidating. They're really loud. I think half of them are homeless. And when I was walking there, two of them were practicing like high kicks and showing off to each other. They were getting themselves into a bit of a sort of violent mood. I walked through all of them, and I was definitely, if I wasn't afraid, I was at least apprehensive. It wasn't full-blown fear, but I was ready for something. Not even a look from them. And and there's a lot of things about me that can provoke a reaction. For example, I'm covered in tattoos in a country where that's unusual. I see, like, when I walk down the street, I always see people staring at my tattoos in a judgmental way. Especially older ladies. They always look me up and down and frown. Plenty of reason to give me some shit. And, of course, I don't speak the language. And many of you who have moved to another country will believe that you're bullied because you don't fit in and you don't speak the language, you don't know the culture. And yet I'm left alone. Why? Because being afraid is not the problem. It's the unwillingness to fight. And I don't mean defend yourself. But I mean really put yourself in in a place where you're willing to lose a fight. Where you're not attached to winning. You don't need to prove to them that that you're okay. You're okay with them thinking there's something wrong with you. You're just not willing to let them get away with it. I want to be really careful because I'm thinking of a particular guy in mind who I know is going into a um he's going into a workplace uh, assessment soon and he's already got into his head that it's going to be a confrontation because he's an introvert. He's previously had shit from some bosses in his life about being introverted and he's preparing to defend his introvertedness. And what I've been trying to get across to him is that fact that he's trying to prepare to defend it is what's going to attract if anything, bullying behaviour. There's nothing wrong with him being introverted. It's him that believes there's something wrong with him being introverted. And even if other people have an opinion that being introverted is bad, that doesn't actually make introversion wrong or in need of defence. People can think whatever they want. There are people out there who think the earth is flat. I don't need to defend that it's round. Fuck them, let them believe that. I'll get on with my life, they can get on with theirs. Idiots. Going in prepared to defend yourself because you think there's something wrong with you that's going to come under attack, is what will actually provoke them in the first place. Whereas if you're in a position where you're all good with whatever it is they might attack, where you're okay to fight to protect yourself if need be, but you're not defending anything, as long as no harmful behavior is occurring, you're all good with whatever they think or feel. The kind of people who get ostracized at the workplace are the ones who don't want to be left out of the group. They're ashamed of the idea of being lonely or different. And that actually provokes it. Provokes the ostracism. Whereas if someone's like, fuck, I don't give a shit if any of you like me. Go fuck yourselves. Really. Enjoy it. I'll I'll hang out with my other friends. I don't need you guys to like me. If they really do genuinely believe that, they'll actually be more likely to be included, or at least left alone, in peace. But bullied? That's when you want to fit in, but you're worried that you don't. And you think it's wrong to not fit in. I've got to really emphasize this. That it's very hard for some people to define the difference between assertiveness and defensiveness. But that difference is the key. If you're defending who you are, if you're trying to make other people believe that you're okay, or you're trying to convince yourself, or you're just trying to hide the fact that there's something wrong with you, that will provoke the bullying. Whereas if you're like, fuck it, think what you want of me. This is I am who I fucking am, so be it then no matter what you've got going on, there's, there's nothing that can be used against you as a weapon. A shameless person's invincible. If you're okay with everybody knowing everything that's so-called wrong with you, and you don't give a fuck what they do with that information, how could someone possibly bully you? How could they use it against you? Well, they might try and sabotage your career or whatever? Well, if you're the kind of person who can just move around that or work with it, or if they do get in the way, really confront them about it and say, hey, enough of your bullshit behavior... Call it out and be willing for there to be a big ugly confrontation, you're invincible. But if you're trying to avoid those ugly moments, if you're trying to avoid uncomfortable emotion, if you don't know don't want people to know what's wrong with you, then you're gonna provoke really bad behaviour. You don't need to fight the prodding. When they try to provoke you and test you, you don't need to defend yourself against that. Nothing bad's happening. You can just say hey shush, I'm trying to work here. Talk to you later. Rather than like no, I'm I'm okay, I'm not like this and I am like that and sometimes I got this and the other day I did this so that means I'm I'm a good person. As soon as you do that they're like oh yeah, got me one. Hook, line and sinker. This one's mine. No one else is gonna be able to defend you from bullying. We can have all the laws in the world, we can have mediators and unions and protection and all this kind of stuff, but you'll keep provoking it. There will always be psychopaths and bullies in workplaces and groups of friends and cultures and government. It isn't about defending yourself from bullying, it's about becoming invincible to it. Shameless. Which brings us to the how to, which is the real question. How the fuck do I become someone who's shameless and unable to be bullied? First you gotta know what is the weapons they can use against you. What are you ashamed of? What do you think of as your weakness? If you're introverted, do you think being introverted is a weakness? Or do you at least believe that it's a weakness in the sense that other people think it's a weakness? You may have this massive assumption that even if you're okay with it, other people aren't? Because that just represents your own beliefs around it. You know, you might be like, hey, there's nothing wrong with me being Indian, but everybody else thinks being Indian is bad. That's not true. Not everyone else thinks that. Which means it's just you that thinks that. You're representing your true belief about being Indian. By hiding it or masking it, you're trying to lie to yourself that you're okay with it, but the truth is you're not because you believe other people aren't, even though that's an untested belief. You know, you might think, oh, I'd, I'd be a great boyfriend, but, you know, it's just that girls aren't attracted to me. No, no, that's not the truth. Truth is, you're ashamed of yourself. You don't think you're attractive. You don't believe you're worthwhile as a boyfriend. On and on. Whatever is your weakness... It's the thing underneath it that you're worried the consequence of the secret being revealed. That's the thing that's used against you. Are you worried about being rejected? Ostracized? Embarrassed? Are you worried about the loss of material things like your job or money or friends? What is it that you're not willing to lose? What is it that you desperately want to keep or maintain or get? Because that's the weapon that's used against you. You know, in the movie The Departed, Leonardo DiCaprio, there's a scene where Leo's character is talking to Jack Nicholson's character, the big boss, the psycho, about his own father. And um, Leo asks the guy, you know, about his dad. and He says, you know, your dad never wanted money. There's nothing you can do with a guy like that. And that was a really significant statement. What he's saying is if someone doesn't want something, you can't manipulate them. If someone's okay with losing whatever it is that you can provide or take away, then you can't bully them. You can't make them do anything. They're invincible to you. So you've got to understand that the reason that people can bully you is not because of what's true about you. It's because of what you're unwilling to lose. Are you unwilling to lose respect, opportunities, friends, love, approval? If you're unwilling to lose something... If you're shameful about the loss of it, then you can be bullied. If you're in a workplace and you're like, you know what, I don't care if you guys like me. I mean, I do care about it in a sense, but I'm okay with it not happening. I will just go on and live my life. You guys can judge me all you want. I'll just sit in the corner doing my work. You guys can go fuck yourselves. If you've got that mindset in the workplace, or at least you learn how to develop that mindset using courses like we've got in Brojo University and things like that, then you at the very least, while you might not have many friends in the workplace, you're not going to get bullied. There's nothing to bully you about. If someone was brash enough to say, like, oh, that you are sitting in the corner alone with all your mates, you'd be like, yeah, here I am. Are you done? You had your fun for the day? Are you going to go back to work or you want to be a wanker a bit longer? And, and you won't even need to say these things. It'll just be a response in your body language that just says, I'm not worth the trouble. Really, I'm not easy pickings. And when someone tries to do something really blatant, like, okay, if I can't get a reaction, then I'll go talk shit about him to his boss or I'll try and sabotage his ability to um, get a date with that girl or uh, spread lies about him, then confront him and hassle him about it. I like, dude, what the fuck was that? Heard you been talking shit about me. Right in front of a big crowd of people, too. Make it a big embarrassing scene. So the guy goes, fuck, this is not worth it. I don't want to get embarrassed myself. I was just trying to embarrass someone else. It's not the same as defensiveness. Confronting someone else's behavior is about asking them to defend what they've done, not defending what you've done. Confrontations from assertiveness, ah, you know what, that's it. That's the key difference. Assertiveness is confronting someone else's behavior. Defensiveness is trying to protect your own. I won't let people treat me like shit. But if they think badly of me, so be it. Let them think it. I'm not going to confront their beliefs and opinions. I'm not going to defend myself. But I will definitely challenge any shitty behavior that they're doing. And because they know that, it makes it much less appealing to do. Okay? When a lot of people think they're fighting back against bullies, what they're really doing is defending themselves. They're like, no, I'm not like that. You can't say that about me. That's not true. Run, saying, hey, that's a real dick move of you to say that. Right in front of all these people, what are you trying to do, get attention? Are you trying to manipulate me, intimidate me? Are you one of those bullying douchebags that I always read articles about? That kind of confrontation, that's very hard to keep bullying someone who's willing to do that. It's very uncomfortable. So I want to finish with a, I guess, a real final statement about this. Stop fucking defending yourself. There's nothing wrong with you that needs to be defended. You don't need to argue someone's point of view of you. Let them think whatever they want. But if their behavior crosses the line, step up, confront them, make a scene, risk violence if need be. Make sure that crossing the line with you never goes unpunished. But it's their behavior you focus on, not why they did their behavior. They blame their behavior on something to do with you. You still just talk about their behavior. You say, look, yeah, you can not like me if you want, but that is not right to do. You can have whatever beliefs you want. You know, you you don't have to like me, you don't have to approve of me, but I'm not going to defend who I am. What I'm going to talk about is how you acted like a dick. That's not cool. I hope this helps, I really do. I really feel for bullying victims. But it's not pity. It's compassion, but it's not pity. You're not unfairly targeted. You're not randomly selected. You have a psychological makeup that makes it more likely to happen. That doesn't mean it's your fault. Other people being dicks is not your fault. You didn't make them be this way. You just triggered off that pattern that they've already got planted inside them. And you can become more confident and more shameless to the point where even if you do trigger them off, you'll be able to shut it down real quick. If you want to know more, get in touch, dan at brojo.co.nz and I'll see you guys next time.